I'm guessing there's some deja vu going on around here. If you were here last week, you're probably wondering whether there was a printing mistake in this week's gospel. Didn't we read the same passage last week? And the answer is yes and no. Last week we read Mark's account of the feeding of the 5,000. This week we hear it from John. In fact, we're going to hear from John for the next five weeks. Five weeks, all of which are in response to this passage. We've talked before about how Mark is the Hemingway of the Gospel writers and how John is the Faulkner, right? We've talked about this. What Mark said in one week, John is going to say in five weeks. John has a lot of explaining to do. John will use Mark's narrative as a springboard from which to dive into the deep waters of Christology. And it all starts here. Here with a cover song, a ripoff for Mark. Now that we've spent months, the majority of this liturgical year in Mark, are there any words that stand out to you guys from this passage that we just read today? Maybe one word? What was that? Immediately! Or in Greek, euthus. Look over here. Look over here. Don does next to nothing immediately. Next to nothing. In John, Jesus takes three days to visit his friend Lazarus, who's dying a short distance away. In John, Jesus stops to talk with a strange woman at a well and ends up having the longest dialogue in the New Testament. In John, nothing is in a hurry. Particularly not Jesus. We know that John is taking this word, in fact, the majority of this passage, straight from Mark's gospel. Right? With that in mind, it is interesting to compare what is different in John. And perhaps the most notable difference in John is that Jesus does everything. Did you notice? Jesus initiates the scene. He asks the question of the disciples of how are they going to feed the people instead of the disciples asking. You remember from last week, sort of? Jesus performs the miracle. Jesus feeds the people himself. John is all about Jesus. In case you wondered how the people feel about Jesus. Did you catch that line that that John added in the middle? He adds this bit about people wanting to take him away, like by force, force him to become the king. All because he's there to feed them, to care for them. The people love Jesus. In fact, the people are following Jesus, not the disciples, as the setup of this miracle, right? Did you notice how John refers to the things that have been happening leading up to this point. The things that, all the healings and all those sorts of things. John calls them 
signs. In John, all that Jesus does are signs. Signs pointing to one thing, the divinity of Jesus, the reality of God with us, Emmanuel, the person of Jesus, right? For John, Jesus is the embodiment of that abundance that we talked about last week, the abundance of the kingdom of God, love, unlimited, and eternal. In the recovery community, particularly in the 12-step programs, one of the most important commitments that you make is turning to a higher power. This is the second step of the 12. Coming to believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore us to health and sanity. In order to conquer addiction on all the peripheral and contributing factors of addiction, people who seek recovery know that they need help. They have learned the hard way that the myth of their own control, our own control, our isolation is false. In John's narrative, there's one higher power. It is Jesus Jesus is divine, not just some nice guy, not just a cool teacher or sandals. Jesus is the one who made everything. He takes that logos, that Greek philosophy, the blueprint for creation, and pins it directly upon Jesus. Jesus is the one through whom all things were made. Jesus can take any situation and transform it. Resurrected. This last week, I saw a new movie about surfer Andy Irons. Andy Irons uh, and his Bruce, his brother Bruce, his little brother, grew up on the North Shore of Kauai in Hanalei. Have you guys ever been there? It's it's one of the the prettiest places on the planet. I think it's an objective truth. <laughs> it's it is the rainiest place on the planet, but it is absolutely gorgeous. And as a surfer, there are few places that are any better. So Andy Irons grew up there in this beautiful place with his brother and had lots of friends and ended up having a beautiful wife and rose in the surfing uh, world to, to get three world titles against Kelly Slater, who was the best surfer of all time and the best competitive surfer of all time. So Andy Irons had it all. Around that time, he and his friends started using opioids. Within a couple years, Andy Irons died alone in a hotel room near the Dallas airport while his wife was eight months pregnant with, his, with their first child their only child. As I watched this story, I couldn't help think, what a waste. It's so sad to see this abundance, this great potential going to waste. If only Andy Irons could have gotten sober. If only Andy Irons had something on which to depend his life 
may not have been lost. Did you notice this line that Jesus slips in when he is talking about gathering up the bread? Gather up the bread so that nothing may be lost. Nothing may be lost. That is the power of John's superhero, this Greco-Roman Jesus. He is all-powerful and working so that nothing will be lost. When I, when I was a kid, my dad uh, had, and he still does actually to this day, but had this huge uh, like tool chest, you know, and my dad loves fixing things and he's pretty capable of fixing things. And he's, oh, but the, one of the great things when I'm working with him on a project, if he has like a little scrap or some random screws that don't seem to go to anything, he takes those screws, goes over to his tool chest and unscrews some little random bin and throws them in there. And, I, and then he'll use them like five years later, you know? He's working so that nothing may be lost. As Jesus is building the kingdom, he knows that everyone and everything can play a part in that. He's working so that nothing may be lost. And as a church, as the body of Christ, we are called to work together so that nothing may be lost. So that none of the 700 cases of separate families, 431 of which the parents were deported without their children, 431 of which were deported without their children, so that not one of them may be lost, so that no one may be harmed by the wildfires blazing across California, so that not even those, not even one, not one of the 77% of LGBTQ teenagers in America who struggle with anxiety and depression, so that not one of them may be lost. That is the work we have to do. Working so that nothing may be lost. Last night, I was... Uh, I was driving my boys back down from Santa Cruz. We went up to visit the Nathan and Leslie, the Siglers, up in up in Santa Cruz in their new place just outside of Soquel. And uh, we went to this ridiculous thing up in the Santa Cruz Mountains where Thomas the Train shows up and you know takes the kids on a ride. I I would not recommend it. <laughs> I think I'm scarred. <laughs> but the kids the kids kind of liked it anyway. Uh, but it was fun to see the Siglers, and, and it was a great trip. But on, on our way back, you know, we got the dog, Mary Beth's in Maine, and uh, so we got the dog, and, uh, and we got the kids and the dog, and, and Henry is snoring as we're driving the 154 on the pass over, over uh, on the way back to, from solving. And, uh, and I couldn't quite tell who was awake in the car, but I knew at least two of them were snoring pretty hard. And as we came up over the ridge... I looked down on Santa Barbara, and there's a huge moon rising just as we came up. And as we came up over the ridge, Jimmy goes, look, Daddy, the moon. And it was absolutely gorgeous. He did this really cute thing later on as we go down the, 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 uh, the pass. It, you know, the moon would go behind uh, little peaks, and he would say, look, Daddy, the moon is playing hide-and-seek. But from high on the ridge, the moonlight bathed everything below. It snuck its way past closed shutters into rooms where little children were sleeping, where big children were sleeping, 
where big grandparents were sleeping. It lit both the coyote and the bobcat on their nightly errands. It struck the grass and the crops. It struck the earth and the soil itself. It struck the ocean with its sharks and dolphins. It struck the rocks on the ocean floor. It struck the air above it all, the clouds, the owls, the collecting dew. It even reflected our sun back into outer space for anyone and everyone within view out there in the void, light year upon light year away. That moonlight struck everyone such that no one was lost. Everyone was covered by its light, however faint. Such is the abundance of God's grace. Such is the miracle of the living Christ. Amen. Amen.